With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Hoagie Hangover Podcast. My name is Andrew Alex from ESPN Blacksburg. I am joined today by the two usual suspects. First, in the 757, we have the one, the only, Ricky LeBlue. Ricky, what's good, man? Uh, just chilling. I'm, uh, I haven't shaved in like two weeks, and I'm trying to figure out if facial hair looks good on me or not. Um, not really sure how I feel about it yet. And up in Northern Virginia, we have Mike McDaniel. I guess you're at the beach, aren't you? Or maybe not? No, I, I'm, I'm home. I came home yesterday from the beach. Um, I am sitting on my balcony with my dog. That's what I'm doing. Ah, well, hey, you know what? Life could be worse. Life I could agree. be worse. A yeah. beautiful summer night in Northern Virginia, hanging out with the dog. The dog's one year old now, or you've had the dog for one year? Uh, dog is three and a half, and we've had him for three. Someone else that I know, God, has a dog my brother, my brother-in-law. Sorry, he's had the dog for almost a year. Okay, yep. <laughs> That's what I was thinking similar-looking dog. Yeah. Smaller time frame. Again, it's, it's all very confusing. But do you know what else is confusing? The fact that since we last recorded, the landscape of college football has been turned on its side. Texas and Oklahoma are headed to the SEC. What does it mean? We'll try to tell you. But first, we got to tell you that this podcast is made possible by the good folks over at Main Street Pharmacy. Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg is the pharmacy that you want to go to if you want a healthcare provider who truly cares about you. Be a neighbor, not a number, my friends. Look no further than Main Street Pharmacy. Dr. Jeremy Counts and his wonderful staff will take care of everything you need. Well, gentlemen... When I say that this wasn't a relevant news story last time we recorded, I'm not kidding. It wasn't even on the radar. But rumors began to circulate late last week that Texas and Oklahoma were interested in joining the SEC. At first, it was Texas A&M coming out and saying, oh, we are the SEC's loan school from Texas, and we intend to keep it that way. Oh, not so much. It looks like the other 13 out of 14 in the SEC are more interested in the bottom line than they are in pleasing the Aggies. And as such, early this week, Texas and Oklahoma have formally filed for membership in the SEC. At this point, gentlemen, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And over the course of the past year or so, maybe it's been a longer time coming, but it was a slow for, slower progression at the beginning. We've seen the cornerstones of college sports be removed and the entire operation be turned on its side. And this has long lasting implications for every single power five school that's interested in football. It's a member of the PAC 12, big 12, ACC, SEC, or big 10. So I'm going to ask you guys in short summary, what does this Texas-Oklahoma to the SEC move have on a larger scale impact in the way that, let's just say, two, three years after it happens, how different will college sports look? Dramatically different. Um, the We've all kind of been theorizing about having like four 16-team super conferences for a while now. Um, that's becoming closer to a reality. And there's a chance, quite honestly, that uh, it's not even four. It may end up just being three, which would be a very interesting development. Um, 
and it would end up being what 20 teams or something like that for each conference. Um, it's kind of a shame to be honest. Uh, I'm seeing expansion theories that include a, a conference that basically merges the PAC 12 and the ACC is some sort of like bi-coastal conference, which just sounds absolutely atrocious in every sense of the word. Um, there's, you know, there's talks of Oregon or USC defecting to the ACC or defecting to the big 10. Basically what we're seeing here is that the, the powers that be in college athletics and in college football, more specifically because football rules rules, the roost are far more interested in finding ways to increase their bottom line than they are in upholding the integrity of the sport. I think Um, that's probably a bit naive of me to say, because everything revolves around money when it comes down to it. But when you have something like amateur athletics, which at least at the moment is still amateur athletics, um, I think you have, there have to be more concerns than just how much money you're going to make out of all of this. And to me, it seems like the, the only concern is how much money is going to be brought uh, in media rights by uh, all of these moves. And I think the, the most disgusting part of it all is that ESPN is over here basically playing God with college football. Um, ESPN has been brokering this deal for Texas and Oklahoma to defect to the SEC um, and effectively destroy the big 12, uh, which you can argue that the big 12 is destroying itself by poor management, um, bad media rights deals, not being aggressive enough in the last round of expansion, things of that nature. You can make those arguments, and they're and they're valid. But ESPN is, like I said, basically playing God, and all of these other schools are just puppets. And um, ESPN's inability to properly adapt to changing media trends is, is forcing them to milk every single dollar they can get out of college football. And in doing so, they may be – destroying the fabric of the sport and that's that's very sad so mike before we get your official opinion on this your official take i want to ask both of you tweet recently came out probably about almost an hour on the dot ago from our recording time right here on the 28th wednesday the 28th at 6 23 that espn had sent a cease and desist letter to espn do either of you understand the premise behind that and what exactly they're asking for the Big 12 sent a cease and desist letter to ESPN to basically p- prohibit them from further meddling in the conference conference's business climate. Um, and that's something to consider is the, the legal ramifications of this is that ESPN has effectively uh, been working as a partner of the Big 12, but also against the Big 12. And I don't know what those contracts look like. I'm certainly not a lawyer, thank God. Uh, But I feel like there could be some legal ramifications for ESPN's actions here in the sense that they they definitely may face some litigation. Now, granted, it's it's the United States. You can sue anybody for just about anything in civil court these days. Uh, But there actually may be some standing for the Big 12 here. Again, I don't know what the contracts say, and someone – who's a lot more intelligent than me would have to figure that out. But that's my understanding is that basically the big 12 is telling the ESPN to GTFO. I mean, from my understanding with the limited work I have in media and it's done at a local level, but I kind of understand the landscape. It would seem that if you have a multi-million dollar partnership over the course of a decade with the big 12 and your ESPN and your actions are essentially imploding or seem to be designed to implode your partners. The big 12 probably isn't technically a business, but it is indeed a business from the inside. There could be some legal ramifications for that, but Mike, I want to hear your take. What does college football look like in a Texas, Oklahoma sec world? Yeah. Just to kind of tie out that ESPN portion of the conversation that you guys are referring to, like I find it, entirely 
convenient too that the SEC just got the TV or I'm sorry, ESPN just got the TV rights to the SEC's football package. Um, they know the SEC is the bigger brand than the Big 12. So naturally doing what they can out in the media to make this Oklahoma, Texas thing happen, ESPN would be more than happy to oblige to that, even if it means ruining their relationship with the Big 12, because the way that it's looking, and this can kind of lead into the conference realignment discussion on my end, the way that it's looking is if you lose Oklahoma and Texas and you're the Big 12, what, what happens now, right? You have a bunch of schools that are just kind of there, right? Oklahoma and Texas are two of the founding members of the conference. And now they're telling you that they don't want to be a member of the conference anymore when the grant of rights deal expires in the middle of 2025. And you have Oklahoma and Texas, two traditional longstanding rivals, teaming up to go to the SEC. And like Ricky mentioned, I mean, you can argue that the Big 12 did this to themselves. Um, you know, when we talk about the Power Five as it's currently constituted, the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are kind of at the bottom of that conversation. Everybody talks about the SEC, at least on the college football side, the SEC being the college football conference in the country, and I don't disagree with that. Um, but everybody talks about the SEC and then the Big Ten and ACC in some order, depending on the year. <clears throat> and the Pac-12 and the Big 12, especially when the Pac-12 doesn't have USC or Oregon or Stanford that are any good at football, if it's an off year for the Pac-12, um, they're kind of the afterthought. And, and the Big 12 is right there outside of Oklahoma. And everybody's saying, you know, there are some fans who are kind of just, I don't want to say siloed college football fans, but they're looking at it too much at a micro level and saying, why would Oklahoma and Texas want to go there? Texas might be, you know, a middle of the road to bottom of the barrel team in the SEC. That's not what this is about. This is all about money. And that's 1000% it. And I'm, I'm with the, I, I get what those fans are saying, right? If you're a Texas football fan and, you know, who knows what Steve Sarkeesian does there, maybe Texas turns things around. But um, if you're a Texas football fan and you look at this and you're like, man, I mean, we're going to the SEC, like, that's pretty cool. We're going to see some good football games, but I don't think going to the SEC leads them any closer to winning a national championship. I don't think it makes Oklahoma any more likely to win a national championship now that they're joining the conference. And it's sad for college football in that regard, because I think you're going to be losing a lot of traditional longstanding conference rivalries um, by kind of dissolving conferences. Um, I don't know how scheduling is going to work. I don't know what things are going to look like five or 10 years from now. It's anybody's guess. I will say I'd be surprised if Oklahoma and Texas are still members of the Big 12 in the next two to three years. I, I don't see this thing going until 2025. I think this is going to happen sooner than that because I think the SEC would be more than willing if they can work something out with the Big 12 to pay the buyout and, and have those teams join the conference earlier. And I think that could really shift things in a dramatic way. Um, one more thing, I'm, I'm sad about this for a group of five schools because there are a lot of really good quality football programs that are not playing in major conferences right now that are really going to be left in no man's land. I mean, we talk about with the college football playoff expansion, how this could potentially give a school like Cincinnati or UCF or, or Memphis, or, you know, a team like Coastal Carolina last year, or BYU, you know, a school like that could give them some access into the college football playoff and how that would be good for the sport, because now you're getting more representation from all corners of college football all across the country. I don't know what kind of message this massive realignment sends, because I think what's going to happen now is you're going to have, however it ends up breaking out, three conferences, four conferences, whatever, what you're going to have is these bigger schools have priority, because it really is all about the money and the bigger schools are going to have to draw. And that's sad, because there's a lot of really good college football programs that are smaller schools that already have to fight an uphill battle from the standpoint of trying to get in the conversation of, hey, we are one of the best 10 or 15 teams in the country. And it's easy for all of us to point at it from like a power five conference to be like, I mean, no, you're not. Look at who you played this year. But until they play that matchup, 
they can have that argument all day long. They're like, well, we, we don't even, we haven't even gotten a chance, right? We haven't even gotten a chance to step up and beat a team in a bowl game or, um, you know, have a chance in a playoff to, you know, get one shot against one of the big boys. And now I feel like we're going to be farther and farther away from that. And even with the college football playoff expansion now, you know, we talked about how it gives access to a group of five. I'm not sure that it does anymore. And I don't know what that's going to look like either. So there are a lot of unanswered questions, but I think this really screws the rest of the big 12. I think it really screws a lot of group of five schools and things are going to get really, really interesting from a conference realignment standpoint. I don't know where it's going to end up, but overall, I think these like four massive super conferences or whatever it ends up being, I think it's bad for the sport. Yeah. And to kind of wrap up the whole season assist letter that the big 12 sent the ESPN um, stadiums, Brett McMurphy, who's obviously been plugged into the college football landscape for years at this point, uh, tweeted out at 622. Um, Big 12 cease and desist to ESPN claims network contacted other conferences, encouraging them to take Big 12 schools so the Big 12 would dissolve, eliminating grant of rights. And he notes that if the Big 12 implodes, ESPN is not responsible for the, the final four years of that deal which is worth over a billion dollars. So that kind of goes into the whole litigation part of this is that basically ESPN is not just working with one conference to destroy the big 12. The the big 12 is alleging that they're working with a ton of conferences to destroy the big 12. And that kind of goes back to ESPN being the big bad bully in all of this, in the sense that they are, they are destroying the fabric of college football to make more money. And again, I know it it may sound a little naive to lament that because, you know, money is money drives a lot of things in this world, but in this realm specifically, it feels almost short-sighted. So, gentlemen, I, I want to look at this in an interesting way when it comes to what the future holds, right? And let's preface all of this with the fact that the ACC as a conference has been one of the most impactful and prominent institutions in my young life. I grew up as a Duke fan. My father is a Duke alumni, spent every year going to the ACC tournament, loved it. It was what I looked forward to every year, my birthday present every single year. For college, I go to Virginia Tech and ACC football, ACC basketball, still king. Enjoy it so much, I decided to make a job out of it. It's what I do full time. (laughs) I don't have any interest or pleasure in seeing the ACC fail. But let's look at the facts. The ACC last year pulled in around $35 million per school in media rights that was distributed. Now it was, I think it actually might have been a little lower. I think on average over the course of the past few years, it was 35 down last year to say about 32 because of the pandemic's impact. Luckily, most of this money comes from television. So that didn't go down too much. The SEC was already bringing in 41, $42 million per school. So you already have $8 million more per SEC team. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, are they estimating that in a Oklahoma, Texas, big 12 world, the payouts would be somewhere around $70 million per school per year. Is that true? I'm not quite sure what the number is, but I mean, I think it's possible that it's more than that, to be quite honest. Um, I I heard between 70 and 80. I don't want to overshoot it too much, but the point for the listeners is that it's ridiculously high. Yeah, it's it it far. It it completely outpaces what ACC schools are getting right now. Indeed. So you're Clemson, right? And you're dominating the ACC over the course of the past, say, five years, five, six years. You're winning conference championships every year. You book your ticket to the college football playoff. You get to the college football playoff and you can compete, despite the fact that the SEC schools bring in more money because Clemson has such a strong donor base that they're able to build a program on the back of that and and make up for that disparity. So the ACC is bringing in $35 And in the future, if the SEC is bringing in $70 That is an impossible gap to make up. So yes, Clemson would win the ACC. They'd go to the college football playoff and they'd get pummeled 
in the same way that Washington gets pummeled when they go to the college football playoff. Over the long term, it would be impossible to compete. And if that's a fact of life, what stops Clemson from joining the SEC? Well, some would say you're not going to win your conference automatically. 12-team college football playoff, they could afford to lose to an Alabama here or a Georgia there because they could make the college football playoff with a couple losses. Not winning your conference isn't going to matter anymore. That's the, that's the thing about all this, right? If you have a four-team super conference, like, it's a great accomplishment, I guess, to win your conference and, like, get through the grueling schedule that you have with these ridiculous conferences now. But not winning your conference is no longer going to be the end of the world. And we kind of made our bed with that when we expanded the college football playoff, which, again, I, there are pros and cons to expanding it, right? Whether it's to eight teams or 12 teams, whatever, there are pros and cons to which, whichever way you go. With, with that decision. But when you realign, when you, when you realign and have these three or four massive super conferences, which, you know, as of the end of July of 2021, it looks like that's where we're heading. It's no longer going to matter if you don't win your conference, you know? And like you said, Andrew, like Clemson's going to look at it and be like, Oh, we don't win our conference anymore. We don't win the ACC. It's like, okay. okay. Our, but we're going to get like 30 to $40 million more, whatever the number ends up being $70 million more. I mean, I'd make my bed with that. Yeah. Athletic departments are going to do that. You know what that money does, not only for those football programs, for, for the entire athletic department, it's huge. It, it's a game, it's game changing. Um, and it's really going to make it difficult. And, and this is why I kind of, outlined this earlier this is why it's going to make it really hard for the small schools right i mean the sec is going to become so powerful um and i'm not sure the other conferences are going to be able to keep up which almost makes it seem like i've seen this floated around which is interesting does the sec just break off from the ncaa are they their own college football entity yeah i've seen that floated around i hate that but i could see that happening and well, I, I mean, it's really I, unfortunate, but it's yeah, it's crazy. I can see that happening. Yeah, and these make no mistake about it. The NCAA is on its way out anyway, or probably yeah, over sure. the next what two decades. I agree with that. Um, I agree with that. You, the ESPN, the college football playoff, the SEC, the Big Ten, when they probably absorb more more teams, if the ACC absorbs more teams, they're all going to have more than enough pull to just completely break away from the NCA and create their own organization that the NCA will be basically useless in, in, in the terms of college football. Um, the, the other angle in all of this, because Mike, you mentioned Clemson, what about Virginia tech? What happens to Virginia tech? Well, Cause you're, if you're the, let's say you're the big 10, right? And you're seeing the SEC gobble up uh, two giant brands in college football. Well, if you're looking for additions to your conference and you're looking for schools that could possibly, and it's, it's, I mean, in my opinion, it's not, but you could stretch the definition of geographic relevance here. If you're looking for schools that are within your geographical area that have a, a bigger football brand, historically speaking, Virginia Tech is one of those schools. So is the Big Ten going to look at Virginia Tech and say, that's a program that we may want to consider adding if we're going to try and keep up with the SEC? So, uh, and or if, if Clemson were to leave the ACC – then what the hell does Virginia Tech do? Because without Clemson, the ACC means almost nothing. Yeah, especially if Florida State goes to the SEC too, which the SEC has had their eyes on on Florida State too, apparently. So if they if they pull a Florida State, if they pull a Clemson, if they were to pull like a Miami too, and then Virginia Tech is just kind of sitting there holding the bag, it's like, all right, now now what do we do? And Virginia Tech, I think, is going to have to make a decision if that ends up kind of coming to fruition. Again, there's so many moving parts with this, but let's let's just play this out a little bit. Let's say the Florida State, Miami, and Clemson all get picked off by the SEC, right? 
and you got like the Virginia Techs, the Virginias of the world. You got Wake Forest. You got you know Boston College, you North got Carolina, teams, North Carolina remaining in the ACC. Virginia Tech's going to have to make a decision. And again, it it's all about what conferences value Virginia Tech, right? Virginia Tech's going to have to make a decision at that point and say what kind of conference, what kind of conference do we want to belong to, and what kind of athletic department, athletic program do we want to be? Do we want to be a school that is the best among all of these teams in the group of five now? Because I'll tell you what happens if the ACC loses a Clemson, loses a Florida State, loses a Miami. There's going to have to be decisions made. Are, are, is the rest of the ACC going to start joining other conferences too? Or are they going to remain and start picking off teams from the group of five? And what kind of program does Virginia Tech want to be? And who do they want to be associated with? And that's a decision that they're going to have to make potentially down the line. And again, that's, that's so many steps ahead, but it's something to think about with all this realignment stuff. There's so many moving parts to this. It can go so many different directions. But this Oklahoma-Texas move, is massive. Um, I'm surprised that the latest rounds of realignment are taking place at a power five level. I was under the assumption that, and this was just kind of a theory I had, that maybe some group of five conferences would combine first. I thought this would always end up being the case where the power, I mean, this has been talked about forever where the power conferences kind of merge together. Um, but I didn't think that the Oklahoma-Texas move, a move of this magnitude, would be the first shoe to drop. I thought it would be smaller conferences first, and then we'd start seeing some of the bigger schools from, you know, inferior conferences, we'll call them, like the Pac-12 and the Big 12, because that's what they are right now. I thought maybe then the bigger schools would try to make a jump. I'm surprised it's happening this quickly, um, but it's a seismic move, and it's definitely going to change the landscape of college sports. So uh, there's a couple of ways to look at this. And, and first of all, let's look at it financially. And there's one angle that I've seen a lot, which is people saying, oh, well, Texas and Oklahoma head to the SEC. Now the ACC has to bring in, say, a West Virginia or a UCF. And that's how we bulk up our conference. How much money do those individual schools bring in? You're already handing out $35 million per school. So that individual school needs to bring, bring in more than $35 million worth of revenue per year to even move that average number up. I have a hard time believing that the ACC could even get within striking distance of these proposed SEC numbers absent of a bi-coastal merger or something to that nature that's been discussed, which, by the way, I think is a relatively bad idea. On the other side of things, Virginia Tech should join the SEC. Mike, you mentioned it. Clemson. What incentive do they have to stay given the financial disparities that would be there? None. Florida State and Miami. Clemson's gone. They're going to follow suit. They're not going to bring in an, an odd number of teams. You have Georgia Tech sitting down there in Atlanta, the headquarters of the SEC, a geographic match made in heaven. You have North Carolina, still considerably a school in the South, big basketball brand. Yes, there's the question of whether they would go away from their tobacco road roots because, you know, the Duke, North Carolina, NC State, Wake Forest, tobacco road collective that built the ACC in the first place are very loyal to it. But at the end of the day, cash is king. So if you're Virginia Tech, do you want to be stuck with your tail between your legs, hoping that the SEC picks you over a Georgia Tech, over a North Carolina? That's not a pragmatic move at all whatsoever. There is a large amount of distrust in the world of college football right now within conferences, between athletic directors, what have you, because in a changing environment, it's either sink or swim financially. We know that the fact that Virginia Tech has fallen off over the course of the last few years can be accurately to a degree pinpointed on lack of financial resources due to fundraising. Put that on steroids and that's what you'll get compared to the ACC and the SEC, if this move does happen and nothing changes. And, and it's going to be something that's going to be impossible to be made up. Ricky, I do like your idea of a potential Virginia Tech to the Big Ten. I would like the idea of Virginia Tech to the SEC. But at the end of the day, I see these two conferences, the Big Ten and the SEC, will absorb anything that's worth something. 
the Pac-12 and Big 12 will have their own thing going on on that side of the Mississippi River, and they will absorb whatever group of five schools that they can get their hands on, say a Boise State, say a Memphis, a group of five school that could add value to that brand. But if you're Virginia Tech, I mean, unless the ACC can make some crazy power move, you're going to have to start looking elsewhere. And it does pain me to say that. But you have an SEC in a world where the NCAA is becoming increasingly irrelevant. I saw a quote on ESPN.com the other day where an athletic director of a Power 5 school said the NCAA is already dead. No one will acknowledge it yet. Because going forward, I mean, maybe the structure of the NCAA in 1980 1990 and even the year 2000 was you know accurate you know an amateur association of colleges and athletics you know you had to have some organizing body but as the money got too big that organization couldn't sustain itself and it might have felt it was too big to fail but it wasn't and now as you're saying before ricky the power conferences with the money of the walt disney company that is espn backing it are here looking at this new landscape and saying, let's take over. And for a school like Virginia tech, who, you know, is just 30 years removed from being an independent that played basketball in the Metro conference has to give a hard look at themselves in the mirror and say, what do we want to be going forward? And that is the big question. And ultimately that will be the defining question of Whit Babcock's tenure. Isn't that crazy? Because this was a question that even just two weeks ago, we didn't know existed. Yeah. And for the record, I'm not endorsing the idea of Virginia Tech going to the Big Ten. Um, I think strictly for the fan base, that would suck. Um, I I don't think Virginia Tech fans would enjoy the, the faux rivalries that would be created between Virginia Tech and schools that are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles away that Virginia Tech does not have a history with in the past. Um, well, Pitt's coming with us if we go. Who's to say UVA isn't coming with us? I mean, Maryland and Rutgers are already in the Big Ten. Basically a matter of who well, does the SEC want. Well, this kind of this kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier is that do, do, the schools, do those schools that you just mentioned provide enough value in terms of the content that they may or may not bring in order for a conference like the big 10 to absorb them. I'm not sure that Pitt offers that kind of value UVA might in the sense that their football program is improving and the basketball program is uh, at least over the last, you know, eight years or so has been one of the, the best in the country. Big 10 cares deeply about academics as well. And UVA. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's absolutely true. I mean, for me, I would like to, to see the ACC get aggressive. I would like to, I mean, and, and the, the elephant in the room here is Notre Dame, um, which we haven't even discussed yet. I'm, I'm starting to come to the opinion that Notre Dame is gonna, not going to have a choice and they're going to have to join a conference. I don't think they're going to be able to stay independent for much longer if this keeps up. No. The conferences are getting too big to the point where Notre Dame's not going to have anyone to play. They're going to have to get into the ACC, I think. And if that is the case, then all of a sudden the ACC is fine if they're able to pull Notre Dame. If they can pull Notre Dame, then all of a sudden you're, you're looking at needing one more team to get to 16. And then your thought is, well, what about a Central Florida, which I yeah. think would be a great football addition. Their basketball program is atrocious, but so in terms – in terms of football, it would be a great addition. Um, it's already within the geographic footprint. West Virginia would allow Virginia Tech to bring a very, very good basketball program into the conference and a football program that's really been up and down over the last 20 or so years. Um, bringing West Virginia in would allow them to kind of reunite a lot of the old Big East schools. Uh, which I yep. think would carry some weight with some of the older power brokers that are that are around uh, Greensboro, uh, because there is a lot of nostalgia for that. Um, I think, at least I know I have some of it. I would love to see 
Virginia Tech playing some of those old Big East teams again on a consistent basis, but everything changes if Notre Dame decides that they've had enough of being independent. And I don't think they're going to make that decision within the next year or two, but they're not going to have a choice. They're not. And when all of these, especially as the SEC gets bigger and the Big Ten, if they do another round of realignment, Notre Dame's not going to have a choice but to officially join the ACC. And if they do, that immediately elevates the ACC to probably Big Ten level and maybe just below the SEC in terms of attractiveness of potential content. Yeah. Let me, let I me, mean, a football program that's consistently in the playoff now, I mean, they've been the last and five And they've years. had a very respectable basketball program, even though the last couple of years um, haven't been as great. Let, let me let me interject with a pro and a con because again I am so in favor of the preservation of the ACC it's not even funny. So here's a pro. In the agreement that Notre Dame made with the ACC, that you know automatically schedules four ACC games per year with them. There is a clause there that says until I believe 2035 or something along those lines. If Notre Dame were to join a conference, it would have to be the ACC. Yeah. But yep. on, on the other side of this, there's the television contract issue. And the ACC is stuck in a horrible long-term television deal. And ultimately, this re- realignment is a de facto television deal within itself. Yep. But they can, they can, they can generate the, the leverage necessary to renegotiate that if they bring in schools that are worth a damn into the conference and Notre Dame would certainly suffice. Go to NBC. <laughs> I know it's not that easy. Go, go to NBC and all their sports networks. They're di- they're dying to have, I mean, they, they love the Notre Dame football brand at NBC, but they just lost hockey and they would love to have, another full-time sport to add to the rotation. I don't know what their appetite is to add college football outside of Notre Dame, but that's something that, listen, Jim Phillips, I don't envy his job as the new commissioner of the ACC. You thought it was hard before. You thought he had his work cut out for him before. I mean, this is, and and you know what was coming and this was coming. And, and, and I hate to beat a dead horse, but Jim Swafford, this is part of this is on you. Yeah, and that there have been a lot of people that have sang uh, his praises for the God for the love of me. I don't know why Swafford has put the ACC in an extremely difficult position, and now Jim Phillips has got to figure this figure this stuff out. Yeah, and one more quick thing as far as teams the ACC could add. I saw that um, some folks on on social media were talking about oh West Virginia wouldn't be a fit for the ACC because they don't fit it academically. I'm like I, this. The ACC added Louisville. They didn't get Louisville in the conference. They didn't get West Virginia in the conference. <laughs> They're both comparable academically. And not only that, but it's not about that anymore. It's not about that anymore. It's I do all think about the money. academics is becoming less and less of a, an issue. Yeah. And, and so for, listen, West Virginia, we talked about West Virginia, Central Florida, and Notre Dame. West Virginia academically is the worst school of the three. Notre Dame is the best of the three. And UCF is a pretty good in-state school in Florida academically. UCF makes a lot of sense because of its footprint. You know, you talk about Miami um, and Florida State already being in the ACC. Um, being able to add a third Florida school makes sense. West Virginia geographically makes sense because of the Big East ties. Notre Dame being added to the conference. Andrew, I'm glad you brought up what year um, that expires, whatever that contract was Notre Dame signed with the ACC, because I remember when it happened that they had first rights to Notre Dame if Notre Dame were to join a conference. Because if you look, if you take a step back and think about it, a school like Notre Dame makes a lot more sense than the Big Ten because of where they're geographically located. Absolutely. They make a ton more sense. The only reason this is even a conversation that Notre Dame would be joining the ACC is because for the next 15 years, they have to. They have no choice. Now, well, I don't that know. And they what, have this, that, and if, but by the end of that, they'll have been playing ACC schools regularly for the last you know, right. almost 20 years. Right. And, and on the basketball side, it makes more sense for Notre Dame to be in the ACC because Notre Dame was a Big East basketball school for years and years and years and had been playing all these schools in the Big East for basketball and a lot of their other sports, by the way, not, not just basketball, baseball, Olympic sports, 
all that was Big East for so long. So Notre Dame was used to playing these these opponents. It was just new on the football side because they were independent and had their longstanding rivalries every year. Um, but this would definitely elevate the ACC, adding Notre Dame into the mix because of the brand that they are. People like to argue Notre Dame's not this, Notre Dame's not that. I'll tell you what they are. They're a moneymaker. And that's all that matters <laughs> in terms of realignment. That's literally the only thing that matters right now. Notre Dame right. brings eyes to televisions. That's why bowl games want them. That's why they have that contract with NBC. Their they, fans they, travel because their, their fans, fans are travel. everywhere. Their fans travel. They have a footprint everywhere in the United States. That's why it's a big deal for Notre Dame to be a part of the ACC. It would absolutely elevate the conference in more ways than one. Uh, yeah. I, here's the way I look at it, though, gentlemen. We just kind of set out a roadmap for the survival of the ACC. Number one being, you can't let Clemson, Florida State, and Miami leave. You have to promise them that better things are on the horizon. Those better things have to be. Full conference membership from Notre Dame, the addition of a school of the caliber in terms of a fan base of West Virginia. I don't mind the UCF addition. However, do Florida State and Miami have incentive to allow another Florida school there? I would think that they would be there to block it. And unlike Texas A&M and the SEC, they don't have the ability to walk and move on to greener pastures financially. Agree. Agree. But one quick thing with that, when all the SEC craziness was happening and there was all that realignment with Texas A&M, right? Texas A&M was joining the, the SEC. There were schools in the SEC that didn't want A&M to be a part of it. It was Missouri and one other school. Because Missouri had joined the SEC, I believe it was one year before Texas A&M did. And there were a couple schools in the SEC that weren't crazy. They had Board of Regents, Presidents, and all that that weren't crazy about letting Texas A&M in the conference. But they all got in line at the end of the day. When the vote came and push comes to shove, they got in line. I agree with you about Florida State and Miami. What would be their incentive? Why would they want UCF in the conference? I agree wholeheartedly with that. But I think at the end of the day, they get in line. Michael, That's just my take on it. We've seen it before. You know? The difference between those two situations, though, is that Missouri had just clawed tooth and nail to get into the SEC, whereas a Florida State and a Miami could leave the ACC to go to the SEC. They have more negotiating power on their end. I would, I would agree with that, um, which is why I think that the ACC is more likely to go the path of Notre Dame number one and then West Virginia number two. And for the folks saying that West Virginia would never join, uh, that the ACC would never let West Virginia join or fold it, they absolutely would. Um, we're, past, we're past the academics thing. Like, it's, it's done. Geographically, it makes sense. Um, they, they're here with all these other conference teams from the old Big East. It makes too much sense to ignore and the Notre Dame thing. It won't be Notre Dame's choice, by the way, to join the ACC. They'll do it because they have to, because they'll be pushed into it because they won't have any other way out. They'll absolutely need to do it. It won't be a, it won't be a want to do, it'll be a need to do, similar to what we saw in the COVID year. So I just laid out plan A though, and I do think that the ACC could remain viable if all of those things happen up to, and including by the way, which we, I didn't mention in that last rundown, a renegotiation of the television contract that's already been signed, which is, Got more than what, fifteen years left on it. Yeah, but, it, to... but but if Notre Dame joins, that contract can just be put in the shredder. Is there legal? I mean, we're not none of us are lawyers. I mean, no, but it, it would give the ACC leverage to renegotiate for sure. Um, if they're able now, if they only bring in West Virginia or they bring in a Central Florida or they 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 poach Maryland from the Big Ten or something like that, that probably wouldn't be enough. But if the ACC brings in Notre Dame, that will give Jim Phillips the leverage he needs to say, "Hey, uh, Disney and ESPN, we need to re we need to rethink this now." Um, and I, I don't think there would be much of an issue on that front. Okay, but all those things need to happen. But on the other side, if you're Virginia Tech, you can't go at this without a contingency plan. That's the reality. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. It's sink or swim. And I do not want to be, I mean, I'm 25 years old right now. I don't want to be 35, 40 years old with my Virginia Tech season tickets that look a lot like Virginia Tech's schedule back in 1998 when you're playing VMI, Richmond, you get a game with UVA, and then a pit, maybe a West Virginia, 
and and fill in the blank Syracuse whatever that is the autobahn to national irrelevance for Virginia Tech yes it is for a university that was built on football that was built on Michael Vick and obviously the university was a great university beforehand but Virginia Tech is what it is now in large part due to the impact that the football program had on its reputation national. And there's one easy way to make Virginia Tech more attractive in all of these situations, and that's for the football program to not suck. And for a school that's now on the academic side investing so much in itself, between the DC Amazon campus, between the proposed campus expansion, between Tim Sands' grand plan to essentially make Virginia Tech kind of a Penn State of the South, it would be a shame, a crying shame, to see us slide into a situation where our football program is not in the conversation with the top dogs, not just in terms of where you are in the rankings, but in terms of who you actually get to play. For a university as a whole, the conference you are in is such a, a big part of your identity, not just from an athletic standpoint, but as a university. And you don't want to be stuck in the wrong one. Yeah. And a lot's been made to like specific to Virginia tech. A lot's been made about, you know, with Babcock's decision to put more emphasis on some of the Olympic sports and, you know, some of the academic initiatives, but at the end of the day, you know, Virginia Tech didn't become this highfalutin academic institution until Michael Vick put the school on the map. I mean, once that happened in, in the late 90s, early 2000s, Virginia Tech's application rate was absurd. And it got to the point where the school could all of a sudden be more selective. And it's become a very, nobody would argue, it's always been a very good engineering school, but I think you know, you can look at Virginia Tech now and say there are a lot of other colleges within the university that are a lot better off because of the football program. And I, I think it's really important. Every for, one of them. Yeah. And I think it's really important for President Sands and for Whip Babcock to be cognizant of that, as I'm sure they are. But if they're not, they need to be. And it's it's really important for them to keep that in mind because this is going to move fast, right? I mean, the college sports landscape as we know it, it's, I mean, it has potential to be totally different, if not in the next three years, definitely in the next five to seven years for sure. And they need to be ready because I'd anticipate that both of them are going to be a big part of, you know, where Virginia Tech's athletic department and um, even where they end up being academically moving forward, you know, how the school's position, and they're going to have a lot to do with that, obviously. I mean, for all of the criticism that Tim Sands and his administration has received for their apparent lack uh, of willingness or desire to prioritize the football program in the past few years, I think that, you know, pouring money into the program so Justin Fuente can win nine games instead of seven games is something that they could just say, all right, we'll put that on the back burner. If the alumni want a good team, they can donate themselves. But with conference realignment, the entire bottom line and the entire future of the university has a chance to be impacted. And that's when suddenly the big wigs might wake up and open their eyes to the importance of it. It becomes a lot more important when the bottom line is affected like anything else. Wow. We covered a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, and it, it, it it's it's nuts that this is all happening in late July, and in about a month we'll be playing football, and, and the, the, the the this entire realignment process is going to basically cloud over the entire season. It's going to be really interesting. It's going to be a story that's running in parallel all year long. I'm sure it'll sink to the back burner a little bit once games kick off, but it'll be it'll be a story still. It'll be the background noise. It'll be like Aaron Rodgers' future with the Green Bay Packers all throughout the season. It'll just constantly keep coming up. <laughs> That's true. Keep reporting on it. It's good for business. All right, gentlemen. Well, I wanted to get to the preseason rankings and lists, and I, I don't think I don't want I don't really want to get to the lists. But before we go, the ACC Coastal, ACC Atlantic, you know, the writers' picks are in, and the preseason standings are out. Do you guys have any hot takes? Anything you two uh, particularly disagree with? 
Virginia Tech is properly rated. I agree. To steal a, a line from, oh, damn, what show was that? I can't remember what. There was an ESPN radio show that did that. They had overrated, underrated, or properly rated, and they used sound bites in it. And it was really funny, but Virginia Tech is properly rated at third in the ACC Coastal. Um, they just they do not have the roster to be rated any higher. Yeah, I mean, the way I put it was Carolina with Sam Howell and the recruiting prowess that Mac Brown has, especially to get some of these players that they now have coming up on the defensive side of the ball, deserve to be favorites. Miami's always had a talented roster. De'Aaron King is a guy that can move that needle. They deserve to be in second. Then you have Virginia Pitt and Virginia Tech, third, fourth, fifth. Virginia Tech being in third, Pitt being in fourth, Virginia being in fifth. Very few votes separate them. That is where the questions are in the Coastal Division. And, you know, it, it could be, uh, you know, a tip pass here, a fumble there that decides the difference between where those teams finish in the standings. Yeah, I agree. I mean, not to drone on and on, but, you know, I think Virginia Tech could win anywhere between like six games and, if all things go really well, like nine games. And I think that's reflective of where they're sitting third in the coastal. I think it's pretty fair. Somebody voted NC State as the uh, favorite to win the Atlantic division, and I'd like to talk to them. Yeah. They and voted Georgia Tech. Yes. I was going to say Georgia Tech had four votes. Virginia Tech had three to win the coastal. So even though Georgia Tech was overall ranked lower by the poor Duke the media Duke, members. Duke was the only team in the coastal to not get a first place vote. <laughs> I can't, I can't, it will be terrible. I can't <laughs> wait till we get to, uh, you know, our, our week one preview with our ACC picks. I want to see whether Mike McDaniel picks Duke or Charlotte to come away victorious in that first week. I'll give him no money. Underestimate Charlotte. Hey, real quick on Duke though. It, it's fun to clown Duke and all for not being very good, but guess who is an ACC our all ACC football selection preseason. Mateo Durant running back out of Duke. Damn good. Somebody player. that Virginia Tech passed on. <laughs> Ricky's got the uh, the memory bank. Uh, Dude, I was I was looking at this real quick. Zonovan Knight, Virginia Tech didn't go after him heavily. Mateo Durant, they didn't go after him heavily. Jordan McFadden, they couldn't hold on to him from Clemson. Uh, Peyton Wilson, they missed on him. He went to NC State. Tony Grimes, they missed on him. He went to Carolina. All these guys are um, ACC preseason selections. Indeed. Wow. Sad times. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll again. I'll never get over the fact that Kyle Pitts was between Florida and Virginia Tech and picked Florida. That, that wild. Will, that will always bother me. But all right, gentlemen. I think we can save uh, any of our other thoughts for next week. Do you got anything to say to the people before we uh, take a break here? Sign up for the Hokie Classic golf tournament. It's virtual. I just got my polo and my golf towel a couple days ago. Uh, it's like 40 bucks, and you just go play around round of golf, and you submit your score online. I'm going to do that. And rate, review, subscribe. Yeah, I will do that too. Uh, I'll be shooting the lowest round in my life that day <laughs> by myself. Uh, yeah, but everyone... <laughs> All of a sudden, Andrew shoots like 64. <laughs> what a player. Okay, I'll, I'll be like my guy, Louis Ustase, and I'll finish in second regardless, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, folks, thanks so much for listening. Wide-ranging podcast there. We'll, we'll be back next week with more Virginia Tech-focused content. I mean, this was pretty Virginia Tech-focused in the beginning. This was pretty Virginia Tech-focused to begin with. Until then, my friends, go hook you.